We are so glad you've joined us today for our Sunday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke, so let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 45. He lays down a precedent here. He lays down actually a, uh, a principle and a question. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. So that servant is going to be blessed when the master returns and sees he's doing what he was asked to do. In contrast, there's a different attitude. There's this attitude. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and he begins to beat his fellow servants to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I want to say something very clear. I am not saying if you do not believe in the rapture of the church that you're this evil servant and that when God comes back, that he's going to cut you in two and throw you into hell. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that those who believe that the Lord can come back at any time will probably be more about their master's business is what I'm saying here. And that those who don't believe that he's coming back, it could lead you into this area. It could lead you to where because the Lord, you don't think he's going to come back at any time, you're not as about your master's business is what I'm saying. It could lead you down that way and and to the extreme of what it says here. But if you believe that the Lord can come back at any time, you will have more of a tendency to be about your master's business because you don't want him to come back and have your hand caught in the cookie jar. You just don't. It has a purifying effect. Dave, I've been hearing about the rapture of the church for 50 years. Dave, I remember in the 50s and the 60s I heard about it, and here it is 30, 40 years later, 50 years later, and it hasn't happened yet. I know. I personally believe that God wants every generation to believe that he can come back at any time. Why? Because he can come back at any time. And even though he delays his coming back, he can come back at any time. And he wants every generation to believe that. Why? So you will be about your father's business. But David's been 40, 50 years, which tells me what? He's that much closer in coming. And we as this generation need to believe that he can come back at any time. Because one of these generations is going to be right. And it needs to be preached. He can come back at any time. And he can. And that's what we believe. You don't have to believe that in order to come here. And you don't have to believe that in order to go with us. I'll explain it to you on the way up. <laughs> it's no big deal. Anna is a prophetess. We don't know exactly in what capacity, but because she was looking forward to the redemption, that means she's looking forward to the Messiah. 
And so she, no, she was talking to anybody that was willing to listen. So she w- was a prophetess in the way that obviously she was prophesying the Messiah's coming, and then she gets to see the Messiah. She was correct in that. And so, again, we see Simeon and Anna who were expecting the Messiah to come, and they're serving. And I'm here to emphasize that. If you expect the Messiah to come, I believe it will manifest itself in you wanting to serve. And so in verse 39, it says, So when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, they didn't just go to their own city, Nazareth, like uh, right away. There's a lot of things that happen in between that that we need to be able to see here in Matthew chapter 2. Just in, in Luke's gospel, he wants to get... Uh, to be able to show that, that Jesus is in covenant relationship to all the way to the point where he's serving now and he, and he begins his ministry, as we'll see in chapter 3 and chapter 4. And so he leaves out this in Matthew chapter 2, but you need to read this and see this. And we will go over Matthew chapter 2 in much more detail around, the, around Christmas time. So I don't want to do that now and then, you know, be redundant for the most part around Christmas. So I'll leave this for... Uh, the Christmas message in a sense. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When they saw a star, it was probably the day that he was born. So it's going to take some time for them to come. And we know it's at least 40 days at this point. And then it says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So he wants to know, I don't like that there's another person that the people might think will be the next ruler. I don't want any competition. Let's try and figure out where he is. And it says, so he said um, to his uh, chief priests and scribes, he says, where is the Christ to be born in verse 4? And so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who shall be shepherd by my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, And said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. How lazy do you have to be? And I just totally see this being the Lord blinding him for whatever reason. But how lazy do you have to be in your evil that you couldn't travel to Bethlehem, which is only five miles from Jerusalem? You can nip this in the bud right now. But for some reason that just... Well, I just don't feel like doing that today. I had five miles going there. I mean, my goodness, you could have taken it. But I do believe this is the Lord. Just kind of saying, yeah, you're just going to be a lazy guy and, and not follow up on this at all. And let them do all the work, come back. Then you can go whenever you want to. But I look at this and I just go, wow, it's only five miles away. To walk it, what, two hours? And he could have taken care of it, but he doesn't. And it says in verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they're not outside. He's not in a manger. 
They're in the house. And they saw the young child. He's not a baby anymore. With Mary, his mother, fell down, worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures and they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, then being divinely warmed in a dream, they should not return to, to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So they were going to go to Nazareth back. But the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I bring you word for Herod. As you know, just like today, just like then, travel costs money. And now they've got to go all the way to Egypt. How are they going to be able to provide for that? Because the wise men just gave them gold. Just gave them gold. So they can stay at the Marriott now. It's all good. And so he says right here, flee to Egypt, stay there till, uh, until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt, he called his son. I called my son. That's Hosea 11.1. So he has to go to Egypt in order for this prophecy to be fulfilled. Then it says in verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. This is why some people believe that, that Jesus is two years old at this time. Because he killed the children according to the timetable that was given to him by the wise men. But if I, you know... But if, if I was Herod, I'd go, ah, I want to just make sure. So maybe he bumps it up six months or a year. We don't know exactly, but he does two years and below. And so it says in verse 17, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. That's Jeremiah 31 verse 15. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. Rachel gave birth to Benomin Benjamin in Bethlehem where she died. And so she's looking at this, the house of bread, Bethlehem. She's looking at this as her offspring there, being the children of Israel, are going to go through a great reaping in Ramah, which is right there in Bethel. And so um, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So that prophecy would be fulfilled. And then 19, now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, Take the young child and his mother. Go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. And he arose, took the young child and his mother, came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside to the region of Galilee, which is Nazareth is. And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. And I mentioned this last night. I said, if anybody can show me in the Old Testament where a prophet said that he would be called a Nazarene, I'll give you $1,000. And I say that to you as well, even though if for some reason you find it after all my study, and I haven't, I'm still not going to give you $1,000, just so you know. But my point is that you won't find it. You won't find it. But it says here, the prophet says he will be called a Nazarene. How is that? He is and he isn't. 
So I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 11 so you could see that. Okay, Isaiah is a prophet. I taught this when I was in Israel and I had one of the uh, guides, his name's Danny. And he uh, came up to me and he said, I didn't know it, it said that in, in, uh, in Matthew. And I said, and, and so I taught here in, in Isaiah 11 and he said that's exactly what that means, but he didn't know of, of the uh, prophecy being spoken there in, uh, uh, in Matthew. And so in chapter 11, verse 1, it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. There it is. He shall be called a Nazarene. Did you get it? There's no way you would unless you spoke Hebrew and knew what these words meant. Because the word branch there is the Hebrew word netzer. It's where they get the word netzereth, Nazareth from. This is why he will be called a Nazarene or a Netzer. He will be called a branch is what he will be called is what that means. And here we have Isaiah prophesying about this branch, this Netzer, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the Lord. And that speaks of the Holy Spirit is what that speaks on, will be upon him, this branch, this Netzer, this Netzerine. That's why he will be called a Nazarene, right there. Going back here to Luke, it's gospel. Now we have this account coming up in verses 41 through 47 about an event in Jesus' life as a child. It's the only recorded event that we have of Jesus As a child, I think it's very, very significant. So let's read this. And his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as he returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. And Joseph, his mother, uh, I'm sorry, and but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey, sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days that they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Now, I love this account. Because here we have, um, we have uh, Joseph and Mary that actually lose Jesus for three days. Now, I have done my you know, part in bonehead parenting, but I've never lost my son for three days, just so you know. And I look at this and I just go, this is so awesome. Because how would you like to be Joseph and Mary going, you know, we're going to face God someday? And I'm going to have to tell him, yeah, I, I know, I, I, we, ju- we just lost him. We just, you know, I know he had big plans for him, but we don't know where he went. You know, I, they go a day's out, journey out. They realize he's not with him. They have to go back a day's journey. And it was the third day that they found him. Now, in Jesus' day, you need to understand that all the men were required to attend the major feast. The women were not. But yet Mary went up with him each year. To the feast to be able to show how, how faithful she is. And they would bring Jesus. And when you would travel from Nazareth all the way to Jerusalem, 
you would go in a large caravan. It says here that when they were going back, they're in a great company with friends and acquaintances. So people in Nazareth that are going up, friends, relatives, they would travel together to protect them from bandits along the way because the greater company you have, the greater protection that you would have. And so it's a great company of people, probably a few hundred people. Now here's something else as well. This also, I believe, proves that Jesus' uh, mother, Mary, had other kids. Because if Jesus is 12, and then we are told in other areas of Scripture that um, the people in, her own, in Jesus' own village say, hey, we know Mary, we know Joseph, his father, the carpenter. We know uh, his brother, James and Joseph, and, and, uh, and, and his sisters. So there's other children there. So if they are traveling to Jerusalem and back from the Passover, there's other kids that they got to keep an eye on. And if you have more than two or three kids, you know, as the kids get older, you have a tendency not to look at them so much, but your eyes are really on the younger children. And the older ones are there to also be eyes for you. And so to get everybody together as we're going back, you know that Mary and Joseph probably have their eyes on the much younger kids, thinking also that the other friends and relatives will also be keeping an eye out and that Jesus is probably just with them. And that's exactly what it says. Supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And you know they went quickly, you know. It says Joseph and his mother did not know. I love this because it says Joseph and his mother. And through the Holy Spirit, that's sin. But when you unintentionally do something, that's not sin. And so he gets distracted with what? With the realization, as he goes through that Passover feast, as he's walking around the temple there, he comes to the realization, this is speaking of me. I'm this Passover lamb. This temple, this is my house. This is speaking of me. How do I know that? Because of the way that he responds here. He responds in a very, very interesting way. When she says, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Jesus disagrees. He doesn't see it that way. He said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? When has he ever responded like that before? We're shown nowhere that he ever has. He will later on uh, say that the temple is his father's house. This is his father's house. Jesus called the temple where he stood his father's house. And in doing so, and being about my father's business, he asserts that God was his father and that he had this unique relationship to God that no other human being has ever had. No one has ever used the phrase, my father, when talking about God in the Old Testament. It's never happened. And so here Jesus, as a 12-year-old boy, one year from becoming a man, a son of the commandment, has this understanding that he has this unique relationship with God, his Father. One far deeper, more profound than anyone ever had known before, that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, God become man. In the Old Testament, God is referred to the Father only 14 times. And it's always in reference to the nation of Israel, not to an individual. God is referred to as Abraham's father in respect of him being the father of the nation. But Abraham never referred to God as my father. 
And Jesus, from this time forward, only refers to God, only refers to God as his Father. Over 60 times in the gospel accounts. Why? Because I believe God wants us to be able to see here that this is the time where Jesus came into his own, where he finally understood that he was the Son of God. I find that very, very fascinating because I can't think of any other reason why we would have this account of his life and no other accounts of his life. See, one of the things that I'll teach uh, very soon here as we get into this, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus' will was never accomplished here on earth. His Father's will was. Jesus never worked separately from the Father. So Jesus never did any miracle because he was God. Every miracle that Jesus did, he did as submitting to God and his will, and it was the Father's will that a miracle take place, and it was done through the Holy Spirit. You'll notice that Jesus never did one miracle until after he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Why? Because it's through the Holy Spirit is the working power of God. And Jesus never works separate from God the Father. And so everything that he did, he was manifesting the different spiritual gifts. Whenever he knew what was in man's heart, whenever he knew a thought that someone has, is because God at that moment gave him the word of knowledge. But Jesus on his own couldn't just decide whose mind he was going to read and whose he wasn't. That he didn't do. He is fully human working in the capacity of the way that mankind was supposed to from the very beginning. He's an example to us. Because he went to pray and seek the Father's will, how much more should we? If he already knows everything, what's he going to talk to the Father about? His fantasy league? Hey, how you doing up there? No. Shooting the breeze? Absolutely not. He goes to seek the Father's will. Why? Because he doesn't know it. And it takes prayer to do that. And we'll get more into that. And so here we have Jesus coming into his own. He knows he's the son of God. Going on here, 51 and 52, just to finish up, it says, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. I find this very interesting, just really quick here. The more mature and secure a person is, the easier it is for them to submit to things like their employer, their governing authorities, their spiritual leaders, things like that. Jesus knew who he was and what he's about, and yet he's still able to submit to Joseph and Mary. The underlying principle of submission is not how much one knows, but, what, but who one is becoming. Jesus at this point probably knows way more than than Mary and Joseph do now in respect to God the Father and everything like that but he still puts himself under submission there because when it comes to submission it's not about uh, it's more of a matter of knowing that you're becoming the right person in doing that so when you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you know who you are in Christ Jesus that should allow for you to be able to submit to your employer to be able to submit to your spiritual leaders, to be able to submit whoever God has put you under because it helps you become the person that you're supposed to be. Let's pray. Neither death nor even life. 
Well, that concludes today's edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Tune in next Sunday as we continue our study in the Gospel of Luke. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at the 5 p.m. service on Saturday. On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at the church. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station, right across from Starbucks. For more information about us on this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thanks again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Abiding.